wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews for July 20th, 2017. Hope you guys are doing well. We have a very special episode of the show on tap for you guys here today. As for the first time in almost exactly one year, we got my good buddy, my bookings tag team partner, John Knapp, at underscore John Knapp on the Twitter machine. Be sure to follow him. Coming on the show here today, talking all things WWE. It was a candid two-hour conversation. If you couldn't already tell, my voice is shot. And it's not because I was at a show recently, and I was a week ago, but that wasn't the cause of my voice being shot. Uh, John and I spoke pretty much all of yesterday as I record this, and most of last night for two hours, which started out as a kind of a throwaway, you know, random conversation. And we talk wrestling all the time, but we figured we would just record it for whatever reason. Maybe throw it on Wrestle Rant Radio or the YouTube channel or whatever. We ended up going two hours talking not only all things WWE and pro wrestling, but also giving you a match-by-match breakdown, kind of a play-by-play commentary, rather, of how we play SmackDown vs. Raw 2007 General Manager Mode, which I've talked quite a bit about before here on the show and on other outlets and whatnot. John and I are very famous for having played that game for the past six years straight, and specifically that GM mode. For in the game years, 16 years, which is incredible. Uh, We did an entire two-part retrospective of the first 15 years about a year ago for our five-year anniversary of playing the game. So check that out. Again, I believe that was the last time that John was on the show. And that was mid to early July of last year. So check that out when you can to get some bit of context as to what we're talking about. But that won't be until next week. We We talk about it just a little bit in the first part of this episode. But this episode is largely dissecting the current landscape of the WWE and all things going on and going forward in the company. From Battleground this Sunday, which we don't really do predictions for, but we touch upon that. We touch upon Brock Lesnar. We touch upon SummerSlam plans. We talk about Jason Jordan being revealed as Kurt Angle's son this past week on Raw. We talk about a lot of stuff. Some of that stuff might be in part two. I know we closed out the episode talking about very briefly Jason Jordan being the son of Kurt Angle. So we talk all about that at the end of the episode and everything else in between between now and the end of the show. And again, stay tuned until next week for part two of our candid conversation, talking all things WWE and pro wrestling, as well as giving you a play-by-play commentary of our SmackDown vs. Raw 2007 General Manager Mode. Get into the minds of the bookings, guys. This is exclusive content, never before heard. There are awesome episodes, both this week and next week, so check it out. But in the meantime, and in between time, guys, enjoy part one of my lengthy, candid, exclusive, awesome conversation with none other than the illustrious John Knapp. Damn, here we go. I think it's going. And, yeah, it's going. 
John, what's going on, brother? Brand. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're just, you know. The weirdest it. opening to the most random miscellaneous <laughs> podcast of all time. We're just doing a little bit of booking here right now. Doing some beast booking. Smackdown versus Raw 2007. We're doing pretty well, having a good time. Really, uh, we're really looking towards the future here in this in this little booking session we got going on. Right now we're in the the middle of uh, November. November 2016. Yeah, is our year currently. Jesus. We started 15 years ago. In the game. In the we game. started six years ago in, in real, real life. life. In real time. Yeah, but... Try to know, keep up. Rob, <laughs> Rob Van Dam's the champ. All right. We're, 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 right now we're trying to figure out we're about how many months out of Mania? Six months out of Mania? November... Yeah, about five, six months. About yeah. five, six months out of Mania. We're try, we, we know what Mania match we want, and we, we just, we're just trying to you know, figure out how to get there. But th- this whole this whole podcast little you know little fun little doohickey it's not <laughs> all about uh not all about SmackDown versus Raw for those of you who don't want to sit through a lengthy, although it is fun a lengthy conversation about it really just me and Graham shooting the shit here while we uh, play because we we noticed earlier that we're having some pretty you know intimate in depth wrestling conversation that really would have been good like you guys were paid to hear what we were talking about. And uh, we literally, it's it, to give some context, it's 11.50 currently on Wednesday, July 19th, 2017, and I have been here since about 6 o'clock, so we spent a good portion of that time not watching wrestling, not lit- we watched a little bit of SmackDown that you missed. We fast-forwarded. We fast-forwarded, <laughs> basically. But beyond that, we have been talking wrestling for the better part of the last four or five hours, and none of it being recorded. No. So John had the great idea of recording it, and the best part about this is that we've done this multiple times yep. in the last number of years. Fun fact for you, I literally just mentioned this, John, off the air. It was exactly three years ago from this exact day that we're recording right now. No idea when this is going up. July 19th, 2014, that we were in... Where is the campsite? Saugerties, New York. Saugerties, New York. KOA campsite. Highly recommended. Home, Check out Wayne if you go. <laughs> home of Jimmy Fallon. Home of... Is it? Yeah, really? Saugerties, New, York? New York. I had no idea. Uh, yes, great campsite, great great town, great little town. We went to, which is no longer there, the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, yep. in Amsterdam, New York. And we met John Soto, great guy. Shout out, John. <laughs> Shout out to John. And uh, that night we got back in front of, uh, right underneath a uh, creaky fan ceiling. Yep. Uh, fan whatever. Fan ceiling. <laughs> ceiling fan. <laughs> fan ceiling makes no sense. It's late, guys. <laughs> we... Recorded the podcast yeah. that went up on WrestleRant Radio that week talking. I had a whole list of things to talk to you about. Yeah. From the WWE Network, which was fresh off yeah. its debut. Only which is months in. Only really three months in, yeah. yeah. And all this other stuff. CM Punk, which we were just talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to think all these things come full circle. Yeah. The point being that three years have passed. We're still talking about all things WWE. GFW, Ring of Honor, New Japan, yes, all sir. things wrestling. We're fucking Marks up in here. It's a Mark podcast. But, uh, yeah, first time ever that we're recording a podcast while playing the game. Yeah, it's the best of both worlds right now. It's going to be hard to multitask. I mean, I can't promise that you won't hear us, you know, doing a little bit of book. Which book. is cool, but I think, yeah. we, you know, we, we talked about this, and I'll shout out this real quick, too. Last year, on the five-year anniversary... We did the whole retrospective of yeah. SmackDown vs. Raw. Which is amazing. That was pretty incredible. The whole thing is available both on WrestleRant Radio from July of last year. Check out the archives at nextdaywrestling.net. And the whole thing is also on YouTube, too. So if you just go to like the miscellaneous play to a playlist on my channel, it's up there. Both parts. Again, it's very long. We record part one 
on the anniversary itself, yeah. in the car, <laughs> on our way to Buffalo, Buffalo Wild, Wild Wings, Wings to watch Brock and Mark kind of UFC 200. Did, were we not able to get in or something? Or? No, we got in. It was just super full. It was really packed. I mean, I guess, we, yeah, we, we, we came back. In. We watched it here. We watched it here, yeah. And, and it was like 10 minutes. Yeah, it was, it was really short. I remember yeah. we got up on the laptop. Yeah, yeah, it was on my laptop, yeah. And then we recorded second the second part while camping last summer. Was that when we did part two? Yep, I think so, in the cabin, yeah. But, yeah, that was, how how long was that in total? Well over two hours, yeah, I would think. That was, that That's why we, we stopped part one at, like, an hour and a half, because yeah. we knew it was going to go long. We really set the stage for, I mean, just how much work we put into this game, honestly. And that was only, that was, what, till, that was 2015, I think. Now this is 2016, so it's a little outdated. 2016? This is we're in 2016 now. Oh, in the game. The yeah, game, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, game, I'm yeah. so confused. Yeah, no, 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 no. Because we're in that territory. No, but it really set the stage for how much work we put into this. I mean, honestly, I wish I could use everything we've done here like, as a resume. As a resume, <laughs> right. really. But uh, fucking professional bookers. Really doing a lot of fun stuff here on SmackDown vs. Raw 2007, mm-hmm. ten years ago. Remember, I- yeah, WWE 2K18 is coming out later this year. So the game is over a decade old. A decade and a half old. Se- Six. Is when it would have came out. Yeah, because so the game's ten, over, ten, over years. 10 years old, yeah. Now oh, there's oh. talk of GM mode coming back for 2K18. Oh, I, I really freaking hope that it does. <sighs> the current brand split up, so. I just want to mention, I'll never forget the first time I actually purchased SmackDown. Or not, I, I rented SmackDown wow, for Star 2007. Yeah. When rental stores were yeah, still a thing. Yeah, I got it from Blockbuster when it came out. I was really excited. And what, what, what happened back then is, I don't remember the exact month that it came out, but I remember what I was Usually with, November, October. Around then, but my, and my birthday is in December. Mm-hmm. So how it usually went, I, the first SmackDown vs. Raw game I ever purchased, I believe, was 06. Um, so this was around the time I was really becoming a, a big wrestling fan. And I remember that I, I would rent the game when it came out. I think I'd rent it for like a week, maybe four days or something like that. You'd get it for your birthday? And then I'd get it for my birthday. Oh, all right, So all it was right. really like a big like teaser for like mm-hmm. what I'm about to be doing with the rest of like my year, really. <laughs> year, and, yeah. Until the next game comes yeah. out. But I remember I, I rented it. I called my buddy Brett, and I, I told him I had it, and he was a big wrestling fan back then. Brett. Shout out to Brett. <laughs> and I, and I, I'll never forget, I was outside waiting, because we were both huge wrestling fans. And I remember I was outside with the game in hand, and he only lives a couple blocks down the street from me. And I remember, like, waiting for him to come. I see him running, hauling ass <laughs> up the street to come play Smack. Because SmackDown was 2007. I mean, back then, it was, it was a big a deal. Big deal. I mean, yeah. Money in the Bank, it was, that was a cool feature. I mean, me and Look Brent, at the roster, too. Yeah, I know. We used to go for hours on this thing. Yeah. I mean, we, we played it with a whole different eye than you and I play it right mm, now. Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, we were total like, kayfabe, like, groupies, <laughs> yeah. man, but... But back then it was a lot of fun, and I, honestly, I've gotten more enjoyment out of it as a twenty-year-old man than I did as what, a ten-year-old kid. Yeah, so it's crazy. Yeah, you definitely look at it a different way. No one books this way. Shout out to Zach Donigan on the Twitter machine. You know Zach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He plays GM mode too. He asked me about it all the time. I saw him about a couple months ago, actually, in Boston at a SmackDown show, and he asked me about it. And we we're shooting the shit about our respective. GM modes, and he's, he's been doing his for a few years now. Isn't, but he, isn't he on 06, or is he on 07? He's on 06, I yeah. think. Yeah, he's yeah. on 06. Um, but yeah, yeah, we've been playing this now for, for six years. You've had the game for a whole, about 11 years yeah. almost. Yeah. Over a decade. I mean, 06 is still, is still for a For almost half your life, really, honestly. <laughs> which is crazy. 06 is still a great game, too, though. The all, GM mode. I mean, all the games are great, but yeah, 06 is really good. The, the GM mode in 06. I mean, 08 was the I last would, year they did it. And 07, 06, 08 is how I would rank it, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. For, but yeah, oh six, oh six didn't have everything that you would want. I mean, there were some, there were some. You couldn't. Mm, I hate to like throw out the cheat here, but you can't turn off injuries and shit. Yeah, and it gets really annoying after a while. When you're when you're in the middle of a great run and your stars Someone get hurt. Injured. Yeah, yeah. Just to sh- to make it as much fun as possible, you turn off injuries. Turn, turn off money. Off bu- turn off budget, right? Because the trades and stuff. That's not yeah. that's not to say that we're you know having hell in a cell matches every week on Raw, but it's <laughs> it's still fun not to worry. I mean, does WWE worry about a budget? No, they got all the money in the world. Exactly. So why should we have to worry about a budget? <laughs> Way to justify it. Mm. Exactly, but. That's the way that we've been playing since essentially day one, really. For sure. Again, six years ago last week. So, Graham, we're going to start doing a little bit of booking here. All right. But I also want to I, I want to get a little bit of our wrestling talking. Sure, sure, sure. We've, got, sure, we've sure. got some fun stories, some fun takes coming your way. Okay. But to start off really quick, just so everyone knows, we're booking towards Survivor Series right now. Which is only three weeks after Taboo Tuesday, November. We, we just got out of Taboo Tuesday. We'll run down the card really quick just so you guys are caught up to speed. We open the night with the Intercontinental Championship match. The defending champion, Matt Hardy, took on Shelton Benjamin and his mentor, Ric Flair. All right. That was a, a fun little match that Matt Hardy actually successfully retained his Intercontinental Championship in. And it, it, it's a cool little dynamic between Shelton Benjamin and Ric Flair. Just for a little bit of context here, Shelton Benjamin and Ric Flair, they, they were feuding not much more than a year ago, maybe a year ago. Yeah, we're on the summer a year ago. Yep. Yeah, they Earlier were, this year, They yeah. were feuding, and then we kind of, <clears throat> you know, a lot, a lot of the fun that comes from our creative process is that, like, you can't add, like, what our rivalries are based upon in the game. So it's it's fun when we use a little bit of imagination and kind of like tell the stories our own way. So like we had Shelton Benjamin, he, he lost to Ric Flair a couple times, and I remember the last time he lost to Ric Flair it was if he lost, he had to like go up, like you know join him, go under his wing, become his mentor, yeah, or become his pupil, whatever. Yeah, yeah. essentially, kind. Of, I mean, a little bit of what happens with like a what would, what would you compare it to in real life? Well, I mean, you said it earlier, Cesaro Sheamus. It wasn't a mentorship. It was more of a tag team. They hated each other at first, yeah. and then they became a really fun tag team. In this case, they're both heels. Yeah. and, and Benjamin since, went heel. And since then, Sean Benjamin's kind of broken out as the as the, as the the true money horse. Really. Yeah, as the future. Yeah. Uh, of, yeah. I mean, Sean Benjamin, Benjamin's always been a staple. In, in, in our in our version of WWE, yeah, he really has. He's been been a, yeah. been, a, been a WWE champion, been an IC champion, been a tag team champion, but WrestleMania headliner. Yeah, and but just because you know when you're doing this for 15 years or so, you really got to come up with new <laughs> with new content all the time. And so yeah, Shelton Benjamin's a, an established name, but mm-hmm. Ric Flair will always be you know that that wily veteran. Mm-hmm. So we, we put them together, Shelton Benjamin facing Matt Hardy for the IC Championship. Matt Hardy successfully retained the Tabby Tuesday. That got a four and a half star rating. Yeah. So nice way to open the show. Second match, we have Batista versus Paul Burchill, which does not sound too appealing on paper, considering Burchill was the pirate character in this game. But in recent, I was going to say recent months, for at least the past year. Past year. We've looked at Burchill as our version of The Miz, our... Wherever he's from, like I would, he's from England in real life, yeah. or at least was towards the end of his career in reality. He's like the English version of our Miz, the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion in the entire game's history, mm-hmm. at exactly one year. Yep. Um, John Cena still holds the record, or it might have been E3 as the long, yeah, E3. John Cena, Bobby Lashley, and Chris Benoit is the longest reigning tag team champion, the longest champions of any kind yep. at 14 months. Anyway, so Virgil Batista. Virtual attack to Batista's tag team partner, Rey Mysterio, a few months back, a few weeks ago. 
was in order to exact revenge. Batista goes up against Burchill. Rey Mysterio came back, was in Batista's corner. Batista scored that vengeance and picked up the win. So and, pretty simple as that. Yeah, and exactly like you said, Paul Burchill's our, our English version of the Miz. You know, now kind of forget about the pirate character more as him just saying he's the most must see. With Katie Lee as his uh, manager, as, as his Maurice, exactly. So fun stuff we got going on there. Match three, we got the tag champs, uh, uh, John Cena and The Undertaker, which is a very interesting pairing that mm-hmm. we came up with. Uh, they were the tag champs going in this match, but in this elimination-style match, they lost to the team of Edge and Chris Benoit, who have been perennial tag team champions their entire career. I mean, they've, yep. always, they've always kind of seen eye-to-eye in this game. Whether they whether Chris Benoit is off in E3 or Edge is doing a single run, they, they, they're always an easy team to... To pair together, and so Edge and Benoit have been teaming together really for the better part of what two years now? About two years. I mean, they were also tag team partners originally in our Raw and our uh, in our WWE Raw history. In our earlier and our earlier like, days, yeah, like O two, mm-hmm. like that was when they first teamed up as like the Canadian tag team. But yeah. they reunited about a year and a half ago, two years yeah. ago. Yeah. So so they're so they're you know they're always a, a a threat in the tag team division. So they actually just dethroned Cena and Taker. They beat them in this elimination-style tag team match. And this is great stuff because Edge and Benoit are always a credible tag team to put the, put the titles on. And now and we put Cena and Taker together because Cena was having problems with Edge and Benoit. He needed a tag partner. He brings in Taker to help him out. They win the titles, and they just lost them here at Taboo Tuesday. And so now we're going to start to plant the seeds for, uh, for a match. Between John Cena and Undertaker, I didn't want to spoil that earlier, but I, I guess we got it for running it down. Fingers crossed, it's at WrestleMania. We're, That's we're, what we're hoping for. And and like I said earlier, we're 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 planning for a match between Cena and Taker, but like we said, we we simulate everything in this game. So I mean, we'd like things to end up the way that we want them to, but sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle. Sometimes it happens even better. Yeah, sometimes it happens by accident. Sometimes, but that's and that's the. It fun. happens when we don't even realize. That's it. that's the fun of it when it happens without even realizing. And when you talk about things happening without even realizing, I think immediately back Rock to and Rock and Triple H. We talked about in the retrospect. We, we talked about, yeah. but just, just to remind everyone, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the greatest angle. Yeah, go, you know better than I do. Well, well I, mean, I, can help I you, you have the, you have the history with okay. it. But if you would start off, please. Well, I mean, okay, so over the course of literally exactly one year. One year. Again, this is the abridged version, so go back to the retrospective to check out the full thing. I think it might have been 2013 to going into 2014. Or 2012 to 2013. One of the two. It was. I think it would be former, though. And just so you guys know, we used the the years 2013-2014. We used those as place markers. I mean, in reality, this angle probably happened, what? A 1-0-2? No, 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 but, uh... Oh, when we did it. When we actually did it. Last summer. Last summer. All right, so it, this actually happened in 2016, but we used the years 2014, 2012, 2013 as, like, kind of place markers because we just assumed that we started off in the year 2001, and so, like we said, we've been doing this for, what, 15 years in the game? Yep. So, so now we're in 2016, going on 2017. So this happened about... Four years ago in yes. game history. Mm-hmm. So continue. So early on in that year, we had The Rock and Triple H as allies with the great Kali of all people, yep. which sounds completely random, to take on the aforementioned stable of E3, John Cena, Chris Benoit, Bobby Lashley. The Rock and Triple H being babyfaces. They teamed up at Backlash, I believe, fell short. They continued to team throughout the summer. Uh, during a six-man tag team match on Raw, 
Triple H turns on The Rock and the Great Collie. Triple H goes heel. Does not join E3. Just becomes his own entity as a heel on Monday Night Raw. We have The Rock and Triple H. I forgot the exact history of who won where and whatnot. And mm. I have it on the computer. I don't want to look it up right now. But we had The Rock and Triple H at SummerSlam. Yeah, that was a big marquee match. Big marquee match. The Rock wins, I'm pretty sure. Um, but at one point before then, Ric Flair joins back up with Triple H. They were originally pairing back in 02, 03 in the game. So they reunite to join up against The Rock. The Rock and Triple H continue their feud. They clash inside the Elimination Chamber, yep. which is an annual staple for us, the September pay-per-view. Neither guy wins. Triple H comes close to winning the championship. I believe he fell short. I think so. I completely. I think it was Bobby Lashley who won, or maybe the Triple H won. Uh, I think Triple H was that the same year where we had Triple H and Bobby, and Bobby came really, really close. Yeah, I, believe I think it, it was. was. I believe it was. So I'm pretty sure Triple H won the Chamber. The Chamber after losing at SummerSlam. Yes. So he loses at SummerSlam, wins the Chamber, and he wins the championship in the process, and he becomes WWE champion. In the interim, in the, the interim, we have The Rock. Feud begins a, 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 a small but very you know exciting feud with Ric Flair. Well, I think he lost to Triple H at Taboo Tuesday. We okay. did a rematch. Triple H wins that one. At Taboo Tuesday. Yes. And then after that, we start the interim feud. With Ric Flair, who is essentially just a, a disciple of Triple H. Yeah. So despite not actually feuding with Triple H, I mean, he's still feuding with Triple H's, you know, you know his, his right-hand his ally. man. Yeah, his, his right-hand, right-hand man. man. Yeah. yeah. So Rocky beats... Rick Flair. Rick Flair in the, in the feud. At New Year's Revolution. New Year's Revolution. And that brings us to the Royal Rumble, mm-hmm. January 2014. Yeah, around there, 2013, 2014. And, and we didn't plan it. We, simul- we watched the Royal Rumble, so you know it's random. And The Rock ends up winning the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Triple H is still WWE champion. He either lost or regained the championship, but regardless, he was WWE champion. I believe by the Kurt Royal Angle Rumble. beat Triple H at New Year's Revolution. That's what I thought, too. I thought, yeah, I thought we had done Triple H and Rock recently, but we, I think we did it then. Anyway, so yeah, I think Angle won the belt, and then he lost it. Back, back to, to Triple H, H at, at the, the Rumble. Rumble. So that sets up Rock and Triple H for the main event of WrestleMania. Rubber match. The rubber match, you know, and uh, we put it inside a Hell in a Cell, and it was just a, it was a really cool accident. Like, I mean, just to put it in perspective, so we teamed Rock and Triple H up just randomly back in at Backlash in April mm-hmm. just because we needed people to feud against E3, our, our, our heel faction. Then we just randomly had Triple H turn on Rock because we needed a heel for Rock to feud with. And then when Triple H won the title in the chamber and beat Rock at Taboo, we never thought that that... We thought that was the end. We'll, mm-hmm. oh, we'll, get, we'll put Rock with Ric Flair and that'll be fun. And yep. then, it was a little short... Term thing, and then, yeah. and then, when Triple H ends up defending or defending or winning the championship at Royal Rumble, and then Rock also wins, uh, it's like holy crap! Like he's we, gone full circle. We here. didn't expect this to happen whatsoever. Yeah. So it went a whole year. Rock ended up winning at WrestleMania, I believe. I think it was Triple H. Triple H. Yeah, he walked. Mm, I I can't remember exactly. Yeah. It was Triple H. It was Triple H. Yeah. Details are details. But yeah, because the backlash I think was H. Henry and Hardy and the Triple H. So right. Triple H won. Yeah. So the main story here is the all the. I mean, you guys know this if you've listened to last year's retrospective. We like to simulate things that keeps it fun, keeps it interesting. So a lot of the things that we we plan on happening. We uh, don't always happen, but you know it's fun to keep ourselves on our toes. That's the fun of the game. So Edge and Benoit beat John Cena and Undertaker in a tag team match for the tag team championships. 
And we're planting the seeds for Cena Taker and Mania. That's that's what we're going for. That's what this whole season in WWE is meant for, yep. designed for. So, next marquee match in the card: Shawn Michaels, Bobby Lashley, last man standing match. Pretty simple here. They had a match at SummerSlam. Shawn Michaels beat Bobby Lashley in the SummerSlam main event to win the WWE Championship. Rob Van Dam, this is all irrelevant. We'll get back to this in the moment in, 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 in a moment, but. RVD beats Michaels for the WWE title on Raw with the help of Bobby Lashley. Because he cashed in his... He cashed in his Money in the Bank briefcase, which is not available in GM mode in the game, but we kind of incorporate it ourselves. But, um, yeah, Shawn Michaels, Bobby Lashley continues in the interim going into Elimination Chamber. I think Bobby might have eliminated Shawn Michaels, if I remember correctly. I might be wrong on that. But regardless, they have one more match after Bobby beat Shawn on Raw prior to Elimination Chamber, prior to Unforgiven. One more match at Taboo Tuesday. Bobby Lashley emerges victorious. So he wins the rubber match, and there you go. That, that's the Bobby Lashley-Shawn Michaels feud. All right, and then match five, a great, great matchup here. we got Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Kurt Angle, and this is one of my favorite things that we've done. Not, not just this match, but how we've been booking Kurt Angle the last two years or so. I would really say for the past... Decade almost. I mean, Kurt Angle has kind Since of been the 2007 guy. is like the guy that we've really focused on. Yeah, being Johnson, I mean, yeah. back 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 then. I mean, when you're talking about when we first started fo- in real life, we're talking about like 2012. Yeah, like yeah, five years ago in 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 reality was when like we were doing the whole Kurt Angle versus John Cena. CM Kurt Angle is like our CM Punk voice mm-hmm. of the voiceless. I'm leaving with the WWE title kind of guy. Yep. And so, fast forward in the game, 10 years later, he's still around. And the beauty of what Kurt Angle's been doing is Graham ingeniously thought of the idea of coming up with a Kurt Angle retirement tour, which which took place all of last year. I mean, essentially, he was a babyface, and the premise was that he, we didn't really have much more no, he was for him. He, he had feuded with everyone. He had really feuded with everyone. He I had done everything. I don't remember a time that we sent him to SmackDown. If we did, it was for a short period of yeah, time. Yeah, he, he was over on SmackDown for about a year or two, I think after, in the game, 2012, 2013, because he did come back. He came back. He was drafted the same year that Ric Flair was mm-hmm. in the whole Rock, aforementioned Rock Triple yeah. H feud again. So he was gone for about yeah, a year right, or you're two. Right, you're right. But he, he's been with us for the better part of the past ten. He's years. He's been yes. one of our, our main guys here, and so he does the Kurt Angle retirement tour, uh, feuds with everyone, you know, gets some good wins under his belt. Lee Booker the, T, the, Shelton Benjamin. Does he win the WWE Championship to, over his retirement tour? He did. He won it at the Royal Rumble. All right. By beating no, actually, he won at New Year's Revolution by beating The Rock. Yeah. And then he beat. I believe, who at the Rumble? The Undertaker, to retain the title. Yep. And then at WrestleMania, he enters what is seemingly his final match, the main event for the WWE title, six-man Armageddon Hell in the Salt match. Which, which is, we do very rarely. We, we've never we've done. Ne- we've never done. That was your creation. The Armageddon Hell in the Salt match. And it made sense. The, the thought behind it was, so Kurt Angle is going into his last match at WrestleMania, and, my, and we have all of these very fresh... Like, very, not, I don't want to say talent, they're video game characters, but, like, all, <laughs> we have, like, about six guys on the roster who we could say are deserving for a title shot. They're, they're at the top of the card, any, and we would have been fine with any one of them winning the title. And so Kurt Angle's champ going into WrestleMania, we booked Big Show, uh, Kurt Angle, Stone Cold, Triple H, The Rock, and John Cena. Yep. So those are our six guys in this Armageddon Hell in a Cell. 
and uh, it was and it was what we thought Kurt Angle's last match, and uh, Big Show ends up winning the Armageddon Hell in a Cell. His first WWE. His championship. first WWE Championship, and I thought of the idea. Uh, the next night on Raw, we would give him a little bit of Ric Flair treatment. You know, have him, uh, you know, come because he's been a, a staple in our game. Alone. <laughs> he uh, he was kind of you know one of our one of our legends in the game. So we had the entire roster come out and you know say goodbye, and then finally the Undertaker comes out to give him a little uh, Undertaker giveaway as he did as Undertaker did with Ric Flair in real life back in 08 mm-hmm. and then we swerved everyone and I thought of making Kurt Angle or Mark Henry and so he goes in for a hug with Undertaker next thing you know he belly to belly suplexes the dead man rips off his <laughs> shirt and tie and I'm never gonna retire. And uh, so the last year was all a hoax. The retirement tour didn't mean anything, and now he's back and better than ever. And uh, it, it's a really cool dynamic. We got go- now he's a heel. He's I mean, how could you not hate a guy like that who who made you cry thinking he was going? Then he belly to belly his Undertaker around. The he's block. around forever. Yeah, he's never leaving. And so the 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 genesis of the Steve Austin Kurt Angle feud is kind of like Steve Austin just calling Kurt Angle on his bullshit, saying like you know. And, you know, Steve Austin's a, a working man's man. Has a problem with how the, the way Kurt Angle deals with, you know, with things, you know. And uh, Steve Austin actually ended up beating Kurt Angle here at Tavern Tuesday, which uh, might just put him in line for a title shot at, Question Sur- mark? at Survivor Series. We shall see. But speaking of which, the main event on this show for the WWE Championship, again, pretty straightforward here. Rob Van Dam, as I mentioned earlier, won the WWE title for the very first time. We've had RVD almost since day one, since in the game 2001, it's 2016, for over 15 years. Not at any point did he ever win the WWE Championship. And mind you, this is a three-time in the game, a three-time Money in the Bank winner. First two times, he cashed in unsuccessfully. The first time against John Cena. The second time against Stone Cold Steve Austin. The third time, again, the night after SummerSlam against Shawn Michaels. Very big moment, very cool stuff. But then he enters Unforgiven. Six-man elimination chamber match. Drops the belt, ultimately, to the Big Show, who regains the gold for the first time since he lost it to Bobby Lashley at Vengeance earlier on in the year in 2016. So we have the big rematch on this show, exactly one year removed from their initial encounter at Taboo Tuesday 2015. A pretty nothing match. I mean, RVD at that point was merely just another stepping stone for the big show, and route to winning his first WWE championship. At WrestleMania. So. In the house, at WrestleMania, so. which he would, as you said. Um, so, really a nothing match, and Big Show obviously won, um, you know, as he was running rampant on the roster at that point in time. This time, one year later, we come full circle. This time it's the main event. Rob Van Dam walking in as the challenger. Big Show walking in as the dominant hungry champion. Uh, hungry for more, you know, bodies to, to destroy. And a little bit of context here, guys. The beauty of this is... This pay-per-view coincidentally took place in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So we kind of envisioned this match taking place in the 2300 Arena, the original ECW Arena. And, I mean, that would just make it such a, a cooler vibe when you really put your imagination to it. So mm-hmm. imagine Rob Van Dam and Big Show walking in to the ECW Arena uh, for the WWE Championship in a Extreme Rules match, believe it or not. So a, a very cool dynamic to this match. And? And RVD emerges victorious, the new WWE champion, a two-time WWE champion at that. And now he moves on to Survivor Series to defend against our number one contender. Who we are going to decide in, in the coming moments. Right now we're going to be booking Raw. But now to get away from uh, 
from SBR07 because this isn't just an SBR07 no, wrestling podcast. Talk. It's a wrestling talk. Shooting the reeds. We're just shooting the, the booking. Sh- we're shooting the shit right now. So, Graham, if you have any newsworthy stuff you want to get on your mind, and we'll we'll do a little booking, you know, behind. Well, I will behind I will. the talk. All right. Well, I was gonna say too for main event. I'm thinking, um, like I said earlier, I think Edge and Benoit. Edge and Benoit. Who are our new tag team champions? Yep. Edge and Benoit, uh, Stone Cold and RVD. RVD. Exactly. So, yeah, we're looking to do Stone Cold versus RVD at Survivor Series. Spoiler alert, yes. For the WWE Championship. Stone Cold did win his match against at Taboo Tuesday. Against Kurt Angle. Wins and losses do matter in our yes, game. Yes, they the do. They actually matter. So, tonight for the main event, we're going to see how RVD and Stone Cold can coexist and attack the match against the Tag Team Champions. Sounds good to me. Yes, it does. So, I'll put Stone Cold and RVD. And tag team. So Graham, I asked you earlier. Okay. If you if you would book SummerSlam in a certain way, I want and I want the viewers to hear earlier. I'm sure you probably talked about this. No, I, I mean in, no, in, in one short spurts, I have never really have I been asked or have I discussed or even tweeted like here's my SummerSlam card. Mm-hmm. So I'll give mine real quick. You already kind of know what it is. Yeah. But uh, I want to get your two cents, not only on my card, but what you would book too. And uh, this is no bias. We've been in the last two SummerSlams. We will not be there this year, which for me, I mean, I think is the best. Just because last year was great. The year before was great. But not for the best for whatever reason. I'm just specifically because, uh, just not that I'm not excited. I just don't think it's going to be not even as good because the last two SummerSlams were very good, but... I don't know. It's hard to say just because, I don't know, right now there's no buzz, I yeah. should say. I mean, it's early. It's early. Uh, I we th- still have Battleground on Sunday, I understand. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, ba- I don't think Battleground's really going to move the meter no, not really. that much. I think you're going to see, I mean, what do we got? I think you're going to see Jinder Mahal retain. Uh, and you're not going to see a lot, of, a lot of, you know, newsworthy stuff going on at Battleground this Sunday. The U.S. title already changed hands. Yeah, I mean, AJ will probably retain. The I U.S. The women's title's not being defended. It's not. Yeah, we're gonna get a number one contenders match for the women. It's gonna. It's gonna be. We're, you're going to battleground looking for good wrestling. I mean, you're not gonna see any. any well, that's usually what it is. It's taken place in the month of July since 2014. Um, I'm disappointed because every battleground we talked about this on the way to SummerSlam last year. Every battleground has gotten gradually better and better. Mm-hmm. 2013, if you remember, in October. Fucking awful. What, yeah. What was it? Ryback and uh, CM Punk. Ry- yeah. It was um, Big Show and Randy Orton. Oh, my God. Before oh, no, that, awful. I'm before sorry. that awful Survivor Series. It match. was Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton, but mm-hmm. Big Show, yeah, that match was terrible. Oh, God, don't remind me of that. War- literally the worst main event of, of a pay-per-view I've ever seen. Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton for the Battleground 2013. Can't be much worse than Roman Undertaker. I'll just say that. <laughs> that was pretty bad. I will say that. But I was there live, so I kind of enjoyed that much yeah. more than the Big Show, Randy. You were there. And I was almost there for Survivor Series 2013. Thank God did not waste my money on that show. I would have probably killed myself. But anyway, bottom line, show sucked. 2014, a bit better. Slightly enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. Jer- Jericho Wyatt. Fatal 4-Way WWE title main event. Kane Orton, Rain Cena. Yeah. Good show. So, good show there, an Ambrose-Rollins brawl. 2014, I thought was entertaining. That was a good year. Rollins-Lesnar, we were just talking earlier, you mentioned how 2015. 2015 here. Yeah, did I say 2014? Yeah, 2015 here. Sorry, 2015 was great, yeah. Rollins-Lesnar, that was the first time ever, big time match. Fun match, Taker came back. You get the gong, you know, dong. Nung. 
Uh, that was the first time he was back since his loss to Lesnar. Yes. So, I mean, that was huge. That was a big moment. And yeah. that also set up his SummerSlam match, which we were there for, yeah. which was big. Uh, Cena Owens, the weakest of the three, but still a really good match. At Battleground, yeah. And you and I disagree on, on where, where their better match was. You say... You say Hey, was it Elimination I say Elimination Chamber, you say Money in the I Bank. I say Money in the Bank. That's very much a divided opinion, because, I mean, we're not the only ones. Everyone says that. Yeah, it's yeah, very 50-50. Yeah. People say Chamber, others say Money in the Bank. I mean, you say Chamber just because Owens won. Well, not only, but I also thought it was a better match, but that did play a factor, yes. I and then Money in the Bank, did Cena oh, won. Cena won, and so Battleground... Owens attacked him after. Okay, so right. Battleground was really the rubber... It's yeah, in 2015, that one was for the U.S. title. The second one wasn't for whatever reason. But but yeah, Battleground was just. just I remember Kevin Owens kicked out of like a super AA in off that the match. top rope, and then he just tapped out. And yeah, I which mean, really pissed me off. Yeah, that that was a thing too because this was before Cena was doing the uh, uh, this the United States. This was in the midst stuff, of it. In the midst of it, right? And so like, I think what just made me really mad about that was or well. I guess Cena, you know, he's been known to not put talent over in his career rides, you know, keep his spot at the top. And so I think why that match pissed a lot of people off was the fact that, you know, Kevin Owens really, like, he beat John Cena in his first ever match. Everyone thought that this was going to be the, can Kevin Owens win the war against John Cena? Mm-hmm. Can John Cena put his ego aside for a second and, you know, let give Kevin Owens this, you know, huge, at least two wins in a row. This huge rivalry win over John Cena and the fat and and Cena won, main they retained the United States Championship, and it was just really like, like, I mean, I think, I think you don't really get that. Holy crap, Cena just put someone over until AJ Styles does it a year later. He was really the first one I would argue that beat Cena twice. Second time being clean. Yeah, and Summer it was a big Slam. moment at SummerSlam. Yeah. And that match was better than Because the they first. had the Battleground six-man. Yeah. Which was Bullet Club versus Cena and... Uh, end Zone Cast. End Zone Cast. Yep. Which yeah. was good. I thought the whole feud was perfectly booked. Yeah, the AJ Styles, no one's disputing that. But but Kevin Owens, I like winning the bank. You like Elimination Chamber. Everyone's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a good show. 2015, it was still an It was okay a very match. good show. It was a very good show, yeah. And then you get to 2016... 2016, I thought was the pay per view of the year for WWE. I mean, that's the that's the Shield Triple Threat, is it not? Shield Triple Threat, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. Match of the year, arguably. Match of the year, arguably. Yeah. Bailey's main roster debut with Sasha Banks against Charlotte and um, Dana Brooke. I just watched it a couple days ago. Uh, you had New Day and Wyatt Family. A very good match, actually. Yeah. Surprisingly so. The aforementioned six man between uh, Enzo Cast and and Enzo Cast and mm-hmm. Cena. Versus the club. Um, Becky and Natalia had a fine match. Miz and Darren Young was whatever. Rusev and Ryder was what it needed to be. Mojo Raleigh making his main roster debut yep. that night. So a lot, a really, really good show. The top two matches, Owens and Zayn, and the Shield Triple Threat really sold that show. It really did. And I, I before, I mean, we're, we're talking about Battleground here, but I, I'd like to, to pick your brain really quick because you just sparked my, my fancy. You talk about the uh, Sasha Banks... Bailey tag team match. Who did they tag team against? Charlotte and uh, Dana Brooke. Dana Brooke. All right. And so I remember that match pissed me off. Actually, that match really pissed me off. Why? Because it made a big distinction. Now WWE's never been known for its continuity. I mean, there's the famous 
the famous, uh, you and I have talked about this, but the, the famous, you know, continuity error where Roman Reigns is a member of the Shield, beat up the Rock, and then the next time they, oh, yeah. the next time they interact, the Rock is raising Roman Reigns' hand at the 2015 Royal Rumble. Charlotte Becky, I was thinking about this. I just tweeted this last night that they were rivals. I mean, they started out as Team PCB. Yeah. Okay. Turning the bitter rivals for a long time. They yeah. were feuding for the better part of 2016. Yeah. Next time we see them together on SmackDown, they're, they're friends. They're best friends. And so Where did that come that, from? That, this, this goes into my problem with the Battleground 2016 tag team match for the women you were just oh, talking okay. about. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know what you was, were was, was, was Sasha Banks and Bayley. The last time we saw them together, they had a crazy match uh, at Brooklyn, at NXT Brooklyn, the first one ever. And, of course, they broke kayfabe after. They did a whole, you know... Um, Four-horse curtain, deal. Curtain call thing, yeah. you know, which is fine. That's breaking kayfabe, and a lot of people were fine with that. But in kayfabe, in WWE canon, they hate each other. They hate each other. And for no other reason than the fact that Sasha Banks was babyface at the time, she and Bailey are hugging it out, whatever. I mean, if you want to consider the the, cur- the women's curtain call at, at at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 1, if you want to consider that ca- not uh, that, that kayfabe, that canon, then then that's fine that Sasha Banks and Bailey are tagging. But I don't. I think Not really, because they had the rematch after. Yeah. And, so they and, were still rivalry. They were still feuding. But Sasha Banks was like crying after that Iron Woman match. Yeah, and, and, like, yeah. But she was still a heel on the main roster, yeah, so it exactly. is it's still flawed. So it, just, it, it makes me question, is the canon of NXT mean nothing on the WWE main roster and of course like if you look at it from you know a critical point of view like it's two people that, it's two different people running the show you got Triple H running NXT mm-hmm. the ultimate creative and then Vince running the ultimate creative for the for the main roster sure, sure. so obviously you got two different minds going so it's not going to be a, a seamless flawless continuity but I think that like when you look at things like you know Adrian Neville all of a sudden he's Neville yeah you know, it, they're, they're just different things of, like... But then you also have, like, oh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn feuded in NXT, and they come to the main roster. They're not friends. They're all... Oh, they're oh, ev- still feuding. Ev- everyone. Remember their NXT rival? Well, how come it's not... Oh, everyone. Remember Sasha Banks and Bayley? They had mm-hmm. this huge fight. Oh, well, now they're... Ta- like, they'll, it's very inconsistent. Well, inconsistent. they will bring it up. They did bring up that battle, because they did watch the pay-per-view last week, Battleground 2016. But in storyline, okay, Michael Cole's bringing up how they had this epic match at Brooklyn a year earlier. Then why are they friends? Yeah. I know they're friends outside the ring, but the casual fan doesn't pay attention to their Twitter friendship. No, you know what I'm all. saying? Not at all. And I just, it, it begs the question, I mean, how important is the NXT canon, Yeah. the NXT continuity, if it can just be changed at the main roster? Like... They could literally just change your entire character if they if they if they felt so inclined. So it it makes me wonder if there's too much of a spotlight on NXT, right? And I remember Brian Zane, uh, for those of you who know who Brian, wrestling with regret on mm-hmm. YouTube, he did this whole thing about how um, NXT might have some flaws in the way that they present themselves, like. I mean, believe it or not, this development... I obviously believe it because it's been well-documented, but this developmental territory has a lot of eyes on it. More eyes than any developmental territory has ever had. Like, hundreds of thousands, I would venture to say maybe at least a million people are aware of what's going on in NXT. Mm -hmm. And so then... so, But this is all developmental stuff, early stuff. So then, if, if you have, like, all these eyes on NXT, 
and then just to throw it away once you get to the main roster, that, that, that can be kind of, that can do some damage to the product, I would say. And I think that it's something that needs to be addressed. If you're going to have NXT have be on the network and not just do live events with it, right? Like, you don't have to, like, it, it, it's not protected by the fact that it's not televised. Yeah. It's televised. People it can is. watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like you can do these, like, breaking kayfabe stuff because no one's watching. Like, everyone's watching it. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to do that, you should have the NXT canon flow seamlessly. I mean, it also it also rings true. Like, if NXT is canon the way... So you want to reference Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, the rivalry they had in NXT, now they're having on the main roster. Then why don't you reference, like, yeah, the other week, Triple H was a nice guy at NXT, but now he's going to be on Raw, he's going to be a dick. Stupid, yeah. It, it's like, it, there's so many flaws Whatever's with Whatever's convenient for them, really. It's, it's, it's That's inconsistent, what it comes down to. And, they, and, and it's to their convenience, but I think they need to address that. They do. I think it's either you go all in with NXT and you portray Triple H as not a dick on the main roster. No, they shouldn't. He be he should be a babyface. He should. I mean, people love him when he's on NXT. I, I mean, think he's a better heel, but he really should heel. be. He really should not be wrestling anymore. And you've mentioned this before, and I bring it up any chance I get, and I always credit you. And I know we're kind of switching gears here. But how many times can you do the? I mean, I'm not complaining. Oh, I did talk to you about this. I'm not complaining. He should have won at WrestleMania. Seth Rollins, I'm glad he won at WrestleMania, and he should have. If he lost, that would have been fucking dumb. But how many times can you do the standard up-and-comer versus Triple H mm -hmm. with Triple H going over? We have now seen it in recent years with Daniel Bryan, we saw it with Roman Reigns, and with Seth Rollins. The only person we didn't see it with in the last four or five years is Sting, Sting. who he beat. At Wrestle we're talking about WrestleMania here. At WrestleMania, but that's really only when well, he wrestles that now anyway. So I think I think just to clarify what the point that you're making that I guess you're crediting to me is that it's not it's not that it's the same storyline because you know Seth Rollins I did appreciate the storytelling with Seth Rollins yeah only because that was more of a teacher turn, long term teacher thing. turns on students sure there's more but specifically with Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns and I'm sure if they I, I've heard rumors of them doing Triple H Kurt Angle at WrestleMania which I would be more than happy to see but if they don't and let's see let's say they want to do like another young guy who's upset. I mean, Triple H is no longer an authority figure, right? Now now we got the Raw GM, we got the SmackDown GM, so this is really... I think he still is, though. But this is really isolated. I mean, he's not a, he's not an everyday authority okay, figure. Okay, no. So this is really isolated just to the two times it really bothered me with Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns. I'm sure they could do it again in the future. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they did it again with a young guy who's upset with the way how Triple H runs the company, so they fight him at WrestleMania to try and get the... Like, that's really the story that's... Dana Bryan was upset with the way he was treated, so he like, oh, if I have to, if I'm going to change my perception around here, I got to beat you at WrestleMania. Yeah. Roman Reigns, like, I'm the authority is holding me down. I have to beat you at WrestleMania to stop that. I mean, it's it's been the same old, same old with that. Seth Rollins kind of turned the tide, but still, like, it's the same. Still a young guy versus same, old guy. It's a young guy. I don't like the way you run things here. I'm and essentially what they're hearkening back to is like, oh, like. You like you guys like Stone Cold versus Vince McMahon, right? Well, here's we. This isn't Stone Cold Steve Austin, but it's a guy who's gonna kick the crap out of his boss mm -hmm. because you guys like that, right? Like you guys, you guys want to you know live vicariously through that, and it, it's just really tired. Like Triple H is such so much more of a dynamic character. You could do so many other things. I'm well, not saying you gotta have him feud with someone because they spilled coffee on him. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, exactly. Well, I mean, I will say this. I'm glad they got those matches out of the way because at least they're not completely random. They're not literally just doing Triple H 
and Braun Strowman, just because he's a young guy and we're going to put him over Triple H. That's not the case. Daniel Bryan's feud had been built up over a long period of time. Accidentally, as we talked about. Accidentally, and it worked out well. Thank you, CM Punk. (laughs) And that worked out very well for Daniel Bryan. Roman Reigns, although wasn't everyone's favorite main event, they had been building it up for almost two, Two three years, really. So it made sense. Again, it was supposed to be H. Rollins last year. They did that this year. Again, had been built up for three years. So I'm fine with them doing those matches. Triple H and Sting, much less of a dream match, but it was what it was. Now going forward, and I said this before WrestleMania, when it was rumored that Rollins was hurt and that the match might not happen. Thankfully, it did. Very happy to have seen it live. Great match. I enjoyed it. But I said this in an article. Does Triple H need to wrestle at WrestleMania? And maybe I'm being a dick. Maybe this is just me saying this. But I honestly do not think that people anticipate WrestleMania for like the big time matches and say, man, I can't wait for Triple H's match next year. Not really. That would always be a taker thing, which is no more. Hopefully, he had the best send-off in WrestleMania history. They said that about Brock Lesnar, or The Rock, maybe even John Cena. Yeah. I could not tell you the last time people were saying, to, that I heard people say, man, I cannot wait for Triple H to WrestleMania. Again, Rollins was different because that match had been built up over so long and it made sense. That was my most anticipated match at WrestleMania this year. Going forward, though, who else would make sense as a Triple H opponent? I do not want to hear people say Finn Balor mm-hmm. because he was the face of NXT and he built NXT. Like, that's a good point, though. That's exactly that would be like the ideal candidate for like, oh, like oh, we need but that's get, really we need to get Triple H on the card because he's a big draw. So let's you know let's have someone else upset with his authority, Finn Balor. That's were. exactly that, that, it. That seems like something they they might even do. Like that's honestly. the only real three people I could see them doing are Balor. Joe, based off the relationship earlier this yep. year, and Kevin Owens, sure. who really is not at that level, but would also be really cool because you brought him into the company. Beyond that, I mean, even then, those are stretches. Those are stretches. But I, the, the the thread that you're weaving here right now is is that, I mean, Triple H hasn't been on Raw in 2017, I believe. No, he has been. Multiple times. In the build-up uh, right, to Raw. And to Mania. To Mania. But post, Since Mania. No, 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 no. Post Mania. That's what, that's what I'm thinking right no. now. Postman has been on Raw, so essentially these guys that that would still seem like a, a reasonable feud that he could have at Mania yeah. are guys that he 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 ran into or had you know encounters with when he was more of like an active kind of performer. Like he hasn't been on Raw for the better part of what a couple months now. So like it would be it would be weird if Elias Sampson. Like you know, what, Triple H, I'm coming after you. Yeah, like fuck like you. Yeah, but like Finn Balor, Joe, they they have a little bit of history. Kevin Owens, you mentioned. So I mean, that's that's reasonable. But the more you see Triple H phased out of like weekly Raws, weekly WWE programming, the less you'll see like oh, like well, let's blow this off at Mania. Yeah, and I I, I see what you mean. I mean in WWE's eyes, like they're in a transitional period right now. I mean I would say this is the longest transitional period. In WWE history, I mean, how long have we been searching for that next, you know, guy? I mean, I, they seem to have found it in Roman Reigns, but a lot of fans will tell you that it's not him. But they're looking for that next, you know, face of the company. I mean, in storyline, they'll tell you that any guy who wins the wins the WWE Championship is the face of the company. But they're really looking for that big draw. I mean, you go back, you have Hogan's, the Hearts, the Stone Colds, John Cena's. The Cena's. That I mean, it's a very short list. 
of guys who are like that's that's the guy. And uh, obviously they're looking at but they're looking at Roman Reigns, but a lot of people will tell you that's not who they want. So right, I mean, and they've been looking for this new guy, this new face, you know, this new draw, this new face of WWE for a long time now. I mean, look look at the transitional periods. Hulk Hogan's run lasted him a long time because what he what he did really captivated the audience, yeah. right? That that kayfabe loving audience back of the eighties. But as soon as he as soon as he started to get stale, you got Bret Hart mm-hmm. right there. Bret Hart's right there, ready to come Transition up. Transition wasn't push, slow at all. S- seamless, boom. As soon Mere as, matter of months. As soon as Bret Hart's gone, Stone Cold Steve Austin, boom, mm-hmm. right there. By and, 97, yeah. And uh, there was a little bit of a gap between Stone Cold and Cena. You could argue that, you know, I mean, from 03 to, I'd say Cena, uh, 05. I would say Brock was the guy in that uh, very short period of time. In that short period of time, but even then, Brock was hot, hottest in 03, I'd say. 02, 03, so I mean, there there was a little bit of a gap between Stone Cold and Cena. Cena's been the face of the WWE since two thousand and five, really. And they've yeah. been, they've been uh, when was the last? I mean, his run his run has lasted him well. I mean, Cena was deservably the face in 06, 07, 08, 09, 2010. Then he gets two thousand eleven, all right, and that's when things like all right, we're looking for someone new. That's when you see like a CM Punk. That's come when in they the change picture. the perception and what makes a star. You see CM Punk come with the Daniel picture, Bryan. the Daniel Bryans and stuff, but there's still no concrete face. Like I said three times earlier, they want it to be Roman Reigns. But like, but back to my point, WWE's in this huge transitional period because they don't have that concrete face. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, they do not, and so. Because they don't, it's a lot easier to say, like, all right, well, we don't have this huge match that's going to draw a mania. We don't have a Stone Cold. We don't have, you know, a, a Cena versus Triple H this year. Let's let's get, oh, I, I already said, let's get Triple H back on the card just for more drawing power. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't have this guy that's going to, you know, light up the, the buy rate. But let's get Triple H. He's going to help us out, you know. He's he, he's a his his name carries a lot of weight. Let's get him back on. I would say that's the reason why you see Triple H on all these WrestleManias that he doesn't need to be on. In my opinion, Triple H's last WrestleMania match could have been against Undertaker at WrestleMania 28. That should have been last Taker's I, last match. I would have never complained about. No. I really wish I saw more Triple H matches, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I feel like just because they don't have that star that they want. It's, all hands on deck. Let's bring Goldberg in. Let's get Lesnar. Let's get Lesnar in here. It's like I honestly really do think thirty three and thirty four are the end of the part time era. Like I honestly think so. I know we have Angle coming in now, or which is great. Brock Lesnar's last mania, last date really, is going to be WrestleMania thirty four. Unless Goldberg, he unless he resigns, which is a possibility. I doubt it, but it's. A, I mean, I said the last. Standing last time, and he resigned. Mm-hmm. It'd be I, cool, but we'll see. I, I forget what podcast I was listening to because mm-hmm. I listened to a couple. But someone was saying, you know, Lesnar gets paid five million for what twenty dates a year. I mean, he might he might be a little burned out. Might not be in love with professional wrestling anymore. But in terms of a business sense, guy's still gonna spike a rating. He's getting paid. A lot of money for minimal work. It wouldn't be that big of a shock if he had, like, if he wanted to retire to his farm. That's fine. That would that'd be understandable. But in terms of a business move, like if, like people people see it from a, a storyline point of view. Like, what does Brock Lesnar have left? Who can he still feud with? But in terms of a business sense, like, 
why wouldn't you want to work, you know, 10, 15, 20 dates a year? Well, it's not him. I think it's more so the company. I'm just saying, two, do they really want to... You don't think WWE would be happy to hand Brock Lesnar that money if he resigned for another two-year contract? Yeah, I mean, I guess it really depends on whether they see him as a hot commodity anymore. He was when he resigned in 2015. He was their WWE... He's the champion now, too. It's not the same, though. At the time, he just ended the streak, and there's a lot more to do with him. Not Like you said, it's more about a business move. Yeah. But what he's doing now and he wasn't doing then, he's now on more house shows, he's doing more Raws and more pay-per-views. 2012, people forget he did Extreme Rules, SummerSlam, WrestleMania. That was it. He didn't do any other pay-per-views. That was fucking it. 2013, he did WrestleMania, Extreme Rules, SummerSlam. That's it, right? Royal Rumble. He did Extreme Rules in 2013? Yeah, he beat Triple H. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, that's it. So that so that's two two back to back years. The same three pay per views. Really, yeah. Extreme Rules twice, SummerSlam twice, WrestleMania twice. People weren't complaining then. He's nope. doing more dates now than he was four years ago. Twenty twenty fourteen, what do you, what do you got from Brock Lesnar? You got WrestleMania. WrestleMania thirty. Yeah. SummerSlam. SummerSlam he Fights John Cena, Knight of Champions. Won the title. Knight of Champions. Beat or lost to Cena via DQ, whatever. And that's it. Yeah, for that's, that year. Was it, Of course, he was on Raw's a little bit. He was on Raw's towards the end of the year and stuff. And All after right, SummerSlam, maybe before SummerSlam. 2015. Rumble. You got Rumble. WrestleMania. Mania. Um, Battleground. Battle also, the um, Beast in the East special. Yep. SummerSlam. SummerSlam. Hell in a Cell. cell. He was at WWE at MSG. Yeah. He's doing a lot more house shows. Then Royal Rumble. For 2016. Yep. Royal Rumble. Roadblock. Fastlane. He was at WrestleMania. 2016. What was his next date? SummerSlam? SummerSlam was his next date. Then Survivor Survivor Series. Series And doing a bunch of Raws and stuff like that. Uh, Royal Rumble again this year. And, um, was he at Fastlane? No, he wasn't. He was at Great Ross. Balls of Fire. WrestleMania and Great Balls of Fire. I mean, so his workload has increased a lot. Tenfold, yeah. But then the money is also increasing. I mean, yeah, that, that, giving that, much, that last yeah. contract he signed was a lucrative contract. I mean, unless they're giving that money to someone else. And, I, I mean, look at all the people they have in the company still with Brock Lesnar around. I say it's worth it to keep him around. Other people will tell you differently. Mm-hmm. I think he's worth the investment. I think in having him in the end, because he's, he's no ordinary part-timer. He's not losing every other month. The guy's lost to only two people in his entire run in the entire Triple WWE. Actually, since being back. Cena, Triple H, Goldberg. That's it. And he got all those wins back. He beat H, he beat Cena, and he beat Goldberg. So... No well, one's ever. He beat H at Summer. Oh, did he beat him at Extreme Rules too? Yeah. All right. So he got two wins over Triple H. The one loss. Two to one. Lost to Cena at Extreme Rules, but beat him at SummerSlam. Beat him every single time after that. Yeah. And then. Goldberg uh, finally won a WrestleMania. Well, yeah, I mean, he doesn't. So no one has ever beaten Brock Lesnar and never gotten so their win back. So he still has storytelling elements to him. He still has, you know... He's still a big star. He still has value He's still a bigger star than anyone else on that fucking roster. Absolutely. And so, from... I mean, a lot of people say, like, oh, well, I mean, with all these UFC contract things that are are starting to come up into the question and everything, a lot of people are just assuming that WrestleMania 34 is his last match. Which makes it interesting uh, to see if he might resign. But, like, 
I would say, I mean, he's not an he's not ancient. I don't know. I don't know how old he is exactly. He's still, late thirties, I think. Still able. He's to, around the same age as John Cena. S- Cena just turned forty, so he might be thirty nine or forty. He's still. I mean, he could still do another two years. That would. I mean, I, especially with the style that he's doing, he's, he's in that wrestling. He's not gonna get hurt. No, he's, he's never. Gonna get no, hurt. he never gets hurt. Nah. So I mean, I'm not a. I'm not the biggest Brock Lesnar fan. I don't want to see him with the championship. I don't want to see him working. You know, four minute matches, just burying guys and winning by TKO. But I think he still has some storytelling value to him. Mm-hmm. I mean. If had Samoa Joe beaten him at Great Balls of Fire, that would have been no small feat. Now, if if, if beating Brock Lesnar becomes as easy as beating Sami Zayn, then it's time to go. But he's still yeah. got he's still got a little bit of battery left in him. He's got juice. So I'm not I'm not I'm not opposed to him leaving. I think that they can. There's still some matches they can do. Uh, not nothing off the top of my head, but I'm sure someone will will rise to the challenge when they're ready. Rock Nakamura. I know the size difference, but they fight. They they fought quite New a bit Japan. in Japan. That'd be cool. Uh, Rock AJ for the size difference alone would be a lot of fun. Kevin Owens. I mean, I know they don't see that much value in him. But, I know, yeah, but, but it would still be cool to see. I think that would if be they build back up. I mean, Owens, there's still yeah. a lot of stuff you can do. I think just from a pure business standpoint, that's something that would be interesting to Brock Lesnar. I mean. It's, I think, more so than what WWE wants, it's what Brock Lesnar wants, right? Because, like you said, you said earlier, if WWE, it's, well, if WWE sees anything in him, I don't think, uh, if WWE doesn't, if WWE has their fucking, you know, hands over their eyes, they still see something in Brock Lesnar, mm-hmm. because he'll still always add something. So it's more of the, if he's done traveling, if he's done, you know, working fucking Houston on a, t- on a Tuesday, which he doesn't, but I'm just saying, if he's done working Raw, yeah. Then, then that's his choice. WWE will honor that. But if WWE can, they'll have Brock Lesnar competing as long as they can. I would say so, too. I mean, I guess it really depends. I mean, I guess we'll see. But going back to what you were going to say earlier for SummerSlam, I hope they go the four-way for the Universal Championship. <laughs> Holy shit. I know, bro. we really went off. Holy shit. I asked you how you're booking SummerSlam. I know, SummerSlam. yeah. Holy but shit. We talked about Battleground. Hey. That's what we do. Yeah, I talk about well, a lot of good lost, shit. I got lost in that. We got a lot of good shit going All right, on here. Yeah, book SummerSlam for me. But no, well, just this specifically, I just want to say four-way universal title. But what I would do instead of having Brock win and so fucking predictable, because really, if you have Brock win, what well, what's next? Roman's gonna go back for the belt despite losing in a four-way. That'd be dumb. You gotta have sure, Brock, Brock and Roman. I don't give a shit about the unfinished business. And having Brock go, Brock lose to Roman and put him over, it didn't work at WrestleMania 31. It's not going to work when they eventually do it. So I think, as you said, Joe wins the belt. He doesn't need to pin Lesnar. You can have him pin Roman, who I know has been beaten a lot recently on pay per view. But the guy who beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania has probably retired him. But it is what it is. Um, I would give the belt to Joe at SummerSlam, then do Joe and Reigns or whatever in the fall. And then go back to Joe and Lesnar either later this year or early next year. So now you're already in next year. Now we're booking Mania. I mean, what what would what would you want to see? I mean, so much can change because people change brands. Jason Jordan randomly went from SmackDown to Raw. I mean, he's a mid-card guy at best. But currently, uh, I think WWE sees a lot more him than a mid-card guy. Jason Jordan, Dude. I mean, he can be a big star. Chad Gable, to me, is the bigger star of the two. I don't know. I think if they can do it right, bro, I never saw Braun Strowman as any more than a freaking, you know, henchman. 
Braun Strowman seven feet tall. If they can do it right, Jason Jordan can be exactly like his daddy, Kurt Angle. I'm telling you, if they can do it right, if they give him some fucking zest, if they make him uh, an enjoyable character who, like Kurt Angle, can be funny, but also intense, and wrestle great matches, and that, that's the problem with all these baby faces these days. Everyone's 110% white meat. Like, if they can give him some character depth, make him different from sure. any other, make him different from Finn Balor. Make him different from Seth Rollins. Not just guys who are good at wrestling so the crowd likes them. Because that's what a babyface is in 2017. If, if you are a, a good worker, the crowd will cheer for you. If you are not a good worker, the crowd will boo you. If the cr- I mean, essentially, the, the, the term babyface, heel, those terms, they have a lot less value in 2017, I believe. But I sincerely think if you go all in on Jason Jordan, don't have him lose, or don't book him 50-50. Give him meaningful wins. Take the fucking tie-dye uh, sing- singlet. singlet off him. He could be a cool character to work around. I mean, I'm talking like, I want to see some. I want to see a young Kurt Angle back here. Give give him some Kurt Angle stuff going on. Give him the mouth guard. Give him, you know, let him. He already does. He already takes off the straps. <coughs> Excuse me, but I think. WWE's a lot more. If they're making him Kurt Angle's son, I see a lot more than the, the Intercontinental Champion. All right, I'm going to cut it off right there. I'm going to keep you guys waiting until the remainder of the podcast next week. John goes off on this great conversation, this great point about the future of WWE, the last five years of the company, the product revolving around the three same Shield guys, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns. A lot of great conversation there. So we talk more about that next week, as well as what I mentioned earlier, the play-by-play commentary, the analysis, the breakdown, the behind-the-scenes conversation that goes on between John and I as we play SmackDown vs. Raw 2007 General Manager Modes. That is all next week right here on WrestleRant Radio. Stay tuned. But in the meantime, in the between time, guys, be sure to follow me on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant. Follow John at underscore John Knapp. We'll be back next week with another awesome, exclusive episode of WrestleRant Radio with John Knapp, his return to the show for the first time in one year. And also, as I mentioned earlier, check out hashtag AskGSM as uh, he is on the show this week talking all things WWE and answering your questions from Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube right here on NextToWrestling.net or a lot easier to check it out on the YouTube channel. So that being said, guys, enjoy the rest of your week and weekend. I'm Graham GSM Matthews for John Knapp. We'll catch your ass down the road. Can't